Good morning once again. Those of you that are joining us, my name is John and I am the pastor here. We are in a series called We're Together. We've been talking about relationships, particularly the closest relationship that we have, which is marriage. Last week we talked about the root issue in marriage that turns uh, teammates into opponents. So if you missed that one, you definitely want to catch that. We talked about that root issue that takes and changes our perspective. And when teammates become opponents, what happens? A fight happens. <laughs> A fight happens. So today we're going to talk about how to fight. And I was thinking last week as we were talking about where this root cause comes from, we went all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? And that's where the, the, the problem all started there. And it's the same problem has continued until today. And so I got to thinking, man, if, if sin, if that, you know, selfishness and all that we talked about causes the fights, then Adam and Eve must have fought, which means there must have been a first fight right? And I wonder what that first fight was like. Adam, does this goat skin make me look big? Looks better on you than the previous owner. <laughs> what? I'm having a hard time losing these last few pounds and sparing your children, and that's the best you can do? I look better than a goat? Thanks. Babe, you know you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. What? I'm the only woman on the planet. Well, I can't help that. You know, and it's amazing that as the only woman on the planet, you still can't seem to remember my birthday or give me flowers once in a while. Well, I did give you a rib. Oh, right. I forgot about that since you haven't mentioned it for an hour. It's like your free pass to never lift a finger for me again. Never lift a finger? I am out there busting my rear all day. Food just doesn't pop up from the ground. I have to get it with the sweat of my brow. Since someone went and got the ground cursed. You think farming's hard? Try raising those kids. Try giving birth. Well, if someone wouldn't have taken advice from a talking reptile. Oh, here we go. Are you talking to me, you little snake? What? Oh, jump off a bridge? Oh, I would, but they haven't been invented yet. Oh, eat this fruit? Well, you look like a pretty trustworthy snake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, we were until you went and pretty much ruined it for all of mankind. So, good job with that. I seem to remember you taking a bite, too. Well, I thought I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of restfulness and serenity. Right. It's never your fault. Besides, what was I going to do with a fallen wife? That would just be weird. Oh, you fell for me? You're an idiot. Idiot? I named every single animal. Right. Great job with that. A, a prairie dog's not a dog, a seahorse isn't a horse, and a bald eagle isn't bald. Well, I was going pretty fast. Aardvark? Platypus? Okay, they were at the back of the line. Not everything can be cat or rat or bat. Hippopotamus? Yeah, well, woman was taken. <laughs> okay, how many gorge do you have back there? That was a joke. Not good for men to be alone. <laughs> no, it's great. <sighs> there you go. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Something, something like that. Here's the thing. You guys know this. Don't need to tell you this. Don't need to prove it to you that uh, if you're with someone long enough, at some point, there's going to be a fight. 
There's going to be an argument, and I, I just checked the most recent statistics, and by my research, disagreements are now the number one cause of divorce. It's true. Disagreements are the number one cause of divorce. So you're going to have arguments, you're going to have fights, and what I want to do today is we're going to look to God's Word, and I want to teach you how to win a fight. Okay? How to win a fight. That's what we're going to discuss. And I'll tell you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. Um, that's in the New Testament, so it's going to be, I don't know, three-quarters of the way through your Bible if you're new to it. If you have an app on your phone, it's really easy to find it. Um, you can, I think you can even set those up by alphabetical order, which even makes it easier. But um, anyway, so find Ephesians, and we're going to chapter 4, Ephesians 4. Now, what's interesting here, Ephesians chapter 5 is, is like one of the classic marriage uh, passages. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives, respect your husbands, and all this kind of stuff. And then it follows that with some parenting stuff, you know, can the kids need to respect their parents and all that. That's all in chapter 5. But what Paul's really doing here is he sets out a bunch of principles on how to be unified and how to live together in chapter 4, and then he applies those principles in chapter 5. So I want to go and look at the principles rather than the application, and then you can take the principles and you can apply them to your situation. Paul is talking, he's the author of this letter, he's writing to a church in a city called Ephesus, and Ephesus is a really interesting town. It's a, it's a port city, and there are a ton of different ideas there. And if I could take Ephesus and compare it to a modern-day city, I would say the closest thing, as far as I can tell, would be Los Angeles. It's a, it's a very diverse, unique town. There's lots of, they have an athletic complex, and they have a theater, so there's arts, there's entertainment, and there's tons of religions there. There are temples to other gods in the area. And, you know, you think about LA, it's like a super diverse place where all those things are happening. So Ephesus is a bit like that. And part of Paul's effort in the book of Ephesians is to tell them how to stick together, how to stay together, how, to, how they can disagree and come to the right conclusions about their faith. And then, of course, he applies it to husbands and wives and parents and all that kind of stuff in chapter five. So we're going to go to chapter four, we are going to look at the principles that come out of this chapter, and we're going to learn how to win a fight. All right, well, let's start with verses 1 through 6. Therefore, uh, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, all right? Is that, do we have that on the screen? Yeah, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Now, you might be thinking, I thought we were going to talk about how to win a fight, <laughs> and you're talking about unity. That doesn't seem to make any sense. It will in a moment, all right? Let's jump to verse 17. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You're like, I thought you were going to tell me how to win a fight. I am. 
All right, we've talked about unity, and this talks about how we need to put off the old self, and we need to put on the new self because of Jesus Christ. And the first step in winning a fight has nothing to do with the fight at all. The first step in winning the fight has nothing to do with what you say. It has nothing to do with, with your, your, your actions toward your spouse or the person you might be fighting with. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your mind. The first step in winning the fight is, I'm going to give you some steps today. The first step is to get your mind right. Get your mind right. It is absolutely imperative that if we're going to win this fight, that we think correctly about our spouse. We think about them correctly. We feel correctly about them. And that begins, obviously, in your mind. We talked about this a lot last week, but I need to think of my wife as my teammate, not as my enemy. She is my partner, not my opponent. I need to think about them properly. And every fight that starts with two people looking at each other as an enemy is doomed for failure. Every fight that begins with people looking at each other as enemies is doomed for failure. Someone will lose. Now, that's our natural reaction, though, is to think of them as an opponent, because why do we fight? We fight because we got irritated. We fight because we were inconvenienced. We fight because somebody did something the way we don't want them to do it. We fight because, because we don't think it should have been done that way. We fight because we don't think money should be spent that way. We fight because you weren't where you said you were going to be. It's always because somehow we're offended and our reaction is then to attack. So where, if, if it, fighting always comes out of that of being offended mentality, What's the root cause of that? Pride is the root cause of that. Almost always, pride is the root cause of that. It's the elevating of myself. And I think we can do better. Like, we can do better than that. Uh, the, the Bible says, rightly, that marriage specifically, the spiritual reality of marriage is two unique individuals becoming one new unique partnership. So it's no longer me and you, it's we. It's not me, it's we, and we is greater than me. And fights happen when we elevate me above we. And so to win the fight, you actually have to change the way that you think about the fight. You have to change the way you think about winning, period. Because if the spiritual reality is that me and my wife are one person, then when I fight with her, I fight with myself. And so I need to begin to think of my wife as 100% me so that we is greater than me. So if, if anyone loses, we both lose. So when I say that I, we're going to learn how to win a fight from the Word of God today, I'm not saying that you're going to learn how, to, how, to, how your spouse can lose that's not it. It's not so that you can win and your spouse can lose, or your spouse can win and you can lose. The only win in a fight in a marriage is when you both win, when you disagree, when you're offended, and somehow conflict brings you closer together rather than conflict breaking you apart. So the win, we got to redefine that win. we got to look at our spouse from a different perspective. The hard part is that when we get into that fight mode, like when, the, when tempers start to flare, we're generally thinking about all the wrong things. Right? The, the battle in our mind has already been won by the negative instead of the positive. So we're thinking about what they did wrong, what they said wrong, what they didn't do right. You know, we're always thinking about that moment, that thing. 
So how do we win this battle in our mind? Well, first, we have to understand we're teammates, not opponents. And, and if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to listen to the message last week so you understand how that happens. But the other thing we need to do is we, we need to begin to flood our minds with positive thoughts about our spouse so that when these moments come up, the positive outweighs the negative. How do you do that? I want to give you a couple steps that really work well for me when I do them. <laughs> when I do them. <laughs> the first, and I, and I do this regularly, I take, the second one is, is tougher, but the first one um, is pray for your spouse every single day. Pray for your spouse. Every, this is not going to be on the screen, but if you want to write it down. Pray for your spouse every single day. And as you're praying for them, offer up thanks for them the whole time. Don't pray about them and everything they're doing wrong, that God would change them. But, but pray, pray about all the good things, the things that they do, the support that they provide, the, the, the skills they have, and how much they love you, and the kids, and the whatever. Just everything good you can possibly think of to pray for and thank God for. Thank Him for those things. And what you start to do is you start to deposit, 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 deposit positive thoughts so that when something negative does happen, the balance is in the favor of the positive rather than the balance being in the favor of the negative. What happens when we fight? The negative things just pile up, right? And you start getting frustrated with your spouse, and what do you do? You start, you start remembering things from the past, and you start building this mountain of criticism until finally that mountain is big enough that it justifies the fight, right? And then you go with the fight, and you go armed with all the ammo, you know, you've got all the weapons, you know, you didn't do this, and last week, and they have no clue, they had no clue, they didn't do that thing, but you're bringing it up, you know, you come ready to the fight, but first, you got to get your mind right. You got to get that positive to far outweigh the negative, negative. and you can do that, and that really helps when you pray and you express thankfulness, 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 thankfulness to God. And then the second step, the second thing I want to encourage you to do, and this is the one thing I don't do very well, um, but thank them verbally. When, when, when they do something you appreciate, say something about it. Tell them, they, tell them they look nice in their goat skin. Tell them it looks nicer than the previous owner. Make, you know, say it out loud. You may even think it, but say it out loud. And what you're doing is you're building up relational credit in your rela- so, that, so that when the negative comes, not only, not only is, you know, in your thoughts is the mountain of good bigger than the mountain of bad, but when you have the conversation, the mountain of good that I've said to you is bigger than any bad that we may be facing right now. So you're just, you're tipping the scales by getting your mind right and realizing this is your partner and you need to appreciate what they do instead of criticizing what they don't do, all right? So that's getting the, that's getting the mind right. All right, but then there's a problem, right? Something comes up. They didn't put the cap on the toothpaste. They forgot to pick the kids up from preschool. That's happened. That's a bigger deal than the toothpaste. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, the thing happens, right? Uh, so that's fun, right? But uh, so the, your spouse spends money you didn't say that they could spend or weren't expecting them to spend or... Um, uh, they didn't show up for the thing that they were supposed to show up for, or uh, you worked really hard to do something for them and they don't seem to appreciate it. You know, that tension is rising, the problem has come, and there's an issue in front of you. What do you do? Let's keep reading. I'm going to go to verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. 
Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. That's absolutely true in marriage, right? You're, you're unified. You are one. So you're members of one and of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I'm going to and let me read that. Let me read that verse again, 26. I just want each piece of this. Listen to each piece and just let it sink in. Be angry. Be angry. So it's okay. It's okay to be upset. You've got to make sure it's coming from the right place, right? But, but it's okay to be upset. And do not sin. But don't let it drive you into a sinful reaction. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So here's the second step, okay? To, in order to win the fight, you got to get your mind right. Second thing, don't chicken out. Don't chicken out. When there's an issue, you got to deal with it. You know what happens? If there's an issue and you don't deal with it, it just gets stuffed in the bank, doesn't it? It gets stuffed in the wrong side of the deposit and it just starts to grow over time. You've got to deal with the issues. Sweeping it under the rug is not a solution. I know there's a proverb that says it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense, but in a marriage, you've got to be really, really careful that if you are overlooking an offense, you're actually overlooking it instead of just sticking it away for later, tucking it in your back pocket, waiting for the next argument. Issues have to be dealt with, and they have to be dealt with quickly. The point of this whole thing is that you can't let frustrations fester. You can't let frustrations fester. I don't... I don't know any situation in which the word fester is good. I've never found one. I don't think I ever will. It's not good. You can't let frustrations fester. You have to deal with them. That's why the scripture says it's okay to be angry, but don't sin in that anger. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, which is, which is where a lot of couples get the rule that you, some of you have this in your, in your marriage. You say, we're not going to go to bed angry. Okay, Justin, I don't have that rule, but it's a good rule. All right. <laughs> It's a good rule, and the idea is, you know, we want to make sure that we get this thing resolved quickly. Um, now, for some of you, that's not the problem. For some of you, the problem is resolving it too quickly while you're still angry, while tempers are still hot, and that causes its own problem. So what I really see here as I'm reading is Paul saying, you guys need to deal with things in the right time. You need to deal with the issues, you need to talk them out, and you need to do it at the right time. I told you Jess and I don't have that rule about going to bed angry, but that's because sometimes it would not be productive if we dealt with it <laughs> at that time. And so sometimes we need to sleep on it, sometimes we need a little space for us to realize we've been selfish or whatever, and then we can deal with it in the morning, but we always deal with it. You have to actually deal with it. Um, it's tough for me. Some of you, like, you know, you, you're more confrontational person I'm not. I'm super non-confrontational, very, very non-confrontational, so I don't like to deal with issues. I like to just sweep them under the rug. And I remember when I was a kid, I had, uh, my mom sat me down for this. I'd blown up about this thing. Like, I don't, it was nothing, and I just blew up about it. And she sat me down, and she said, oh, John, you're just my little volcano. Just like that in my head. <laughs> just my little volcano. You know, the pressure just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until one little crack, right? One little crack and boom, whole thing blows up. Like the top's gone, everything's coming out. And that's what happens in our relationships, right? When we, when we don't deal with stuff and we just start letting it build and build and build and build and build and build and build, and then it takes one little thing, one little crack at the top of the mountain and boom, the whole thing 
blows up, right? Be angry, but do not sin. Don't give, listen to the scripture, it says, don't give an opportunity to the devil. When you stick those things away and you let them just stew, you give an opportunity for the devil. You're letting him grab that thing and turn it into something that it's not. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you take those things and you don't deal with them and you just stuff them in your back pocket, they grow. They take on a life of their own and they become bigger and more heinous than they were if you just dealt with them at the time. So don't chicken out from the fight. You got to deal with it quickly. All right. Frustration is like a vampire. It feeds in the dark and it dies in the light. So if you're frustrated, bring it out into the light. Talk about it. It might be tough. It might be messy, but get your mind right and then don't chicken out. Have the conversation. All right, so you're, you're going to have that conversation. You're going to have the argument. You're going to have the fight. You're looking for a win-win, right? Now what do you do? How do you do it productively? Let's keep reading. We're going to go to verse 29. Let no, uncor- let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So here's, here's the real challenge. We get our mind right. right. We get our mind right and we don't chicken out. We're going to have the conversation. We're going to have the argument. But how do we do that productively? How do we do it productively? Here's the third step. Ready? Step number three. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. You ever watch a boxing match or like mixed martial arts match? Right? Usually the ref brings, brings both opponents to the middle and he says something like, all right, we're going to have a good, clean fight. Obey the rules. Listen to my commands. You know, got to have a good, clean fight. Listen, if you're going to argue and it's going to happen in your relationship, you got to have a good, clean fight. No hitting below the belt. Let me read the scripture again. You got it. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay? Let me read it again, just in case we missed it, all right? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. One more time. One more time, okay. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. It wouldn't be a bad idea to write that scripture down or print it out, and when you have an argument with your spouse, like, set it on the table, you know? Say, these are the rules. These are the rules that we're going to play by. No corrupting talk, only what builds up so that we can give grace to one another. No hitting below the belt. When we have a conflict, we really, there's two approaches we can take. The first is the diplomatic approach. The second is the nuclear approach. The, the, the diplomatic approach goes through the proper channels. The diplomatic approach shows the other party with respect. The diplomatic approach, it searches for a win-win. The nuclear approach presses a button. And I'm telling you, there is nobody on the planet that knows your button better than your spouse. 
And there is nobody on the planet who knows your spouse's button better than you. And listen, I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert in international politics. I don't know how that works. But I know that in marriage, that the nuclear approach is always destructive and the diplomatic approach is always constructive. We've got to choose which one we're going to take. Because we know, you know what it is. You know that when you're in an argument and you feel like you're losing, you're going head to head, you're sparring, you're duking it out, and they're winning, you can tell. You know what you can pull out. You know, you know what their insecurity is. You know the mistake that they made in the past. You, you know what that is. You know how to hit that button. But the problem is, in our marriage particularly, once that missile is launched, there's no calling it back. Once you've crossed that line, there's no good, I mean, it takes time to get back across it. When your relationship is built on trust, your relationship is built on security, on taking care of each other, and as soon as you fire that missile, all of that comes into question. So when you're in a relationship with your spouse and you're arguing, you're trying to work through this thing and figure this thing out, and you drop the D word, divorce, it changed, the whole game just changed in that argument. Because even though your spouse was arguing with you, they thought you were going to be around forever because you'd made that commitment. And as soon as you drop the D word, all of a sudden that security is gone. That foundation has been cracked and it changes the whole nature of the relationship. So when you come to the ring, you got to fight clean. No unwholesome talk, no corrupting talk, only what's good for building up as fits the situation that it may give grace to those who hear. And I'll tell you, that's a whole lot easier to do when you got the first two things we talked about in place. When your mind's right and you're having the conversation at the right time, it's a whole lot easier to fight clean. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get the heart right and this becomes much, much easier. What builds up, what's fitting, what gives grace. And it's not just our words, also it's our tone and it's our body language as well. It all goes together. What's the purpose? Let's keep reading from Paul. Verse 32, it's the last verse in the chapter and then we're going to just jump into the first two verses of the next one too. Uh, Paul didn't write in chapters, so this is all meant to go together anyway. 432, be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the real one. This is, this is how you win the fight. Number four, win with grace. And I don't mean like be a gracious winner or a gracious loser. That's not not what that means. I mean let grace win. Let grace be the tone of everything that happens. Let grace be the result of everything that happens. We've already said it. Why do fights happen? They happen because we get our feelings hurt. They happen because we're prideful. They happen because we're more focused on us than on the relationship, or even maybe it's our spouse that's, that's doing that. But it's pride that's at the root. 
what you'll notice over and over and over again in Scripture is that the constant instruction for us in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, is get over yourself and get under God. Get over yourself and get under God. Stop being so concerned about your needs. Stop being so concerned about your ideas. Stop being so concerned about your wants. Stop being so concerned about yourself and become concerned about God and what He wants for your life. Become concerned about other people and what they need as opposed to yourself. It's the constant theme over and over again. And when it comes to those relationships with other people, the theme again is constant throughout the New Testament. If you want to know how to relate to other people, if you want to know how to do this with other people, you've got to look at God's relationship with us. And when you look at God's relationship with us, you can understand what your relationships with other people are supposed to be like. So when it comes to our marriage, what does it say? Right there in the Scripture, what did it say? It said, therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. If you want to to fight well, if you want to argue well, you need to think and act and speak the way that God thinks and acts and speaks when he comes into conflict. As beloved children, and what does it say? Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We want to know how to fight. We want to know how to win the fight with grace. We want to know how to respond. How How did God respond when we fought with him? You say, well, when did I fight with God? Well, I fought with God when I disobeyed him. I fought with God when I thought that I should be him. I, thought with, I, thought, I fought with God when I disagreed with him. I fought with God when, when, I, when my, I thought my idea was better than his idea. I fought with God when he told me not to do something and I did it anyway. I fought with God when he told me this is how he wanted to live my life, this is how he wanted me to live my life, and this is how I chose to live my life. That's, I was at odds with God. That's called sin. It created a barrier between me and him, and I fought with God. And how did he respond to that? Well, he didn't think of me as an as a evil opponent, did he? No, God looked on me with love. God has his mind right about me. God, God looked at me and saw who I was and who he wanted me to be, and he saw my potential, and he saw the good, and he saw the bad, and he knew what I could be with him. And so when, when I was fighting with God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Before I fought with him, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me to pay for my sin so that I could be back into a relationship with him. The scripture says, and it's right, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God had his mind right about us. And he dealt with the issue between us. He didn't just cast me off. He didn't just say, I don't care about you, John. He didn't say, I don't care about you. He didn't didn't say, well, you you did it wrong, so we're just going to sweep this under the rug. We're just going to forget this ever happened. He dealt with the issue. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross, and he rose again three days later. And, and he offers you and me forgiveness so we can be back into a relationship with him. He wants us to do the same thing with our spouse. He offered us forgiveness, and you can respond to that today. Ask forgiveness of your sins and be back into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ's death, through his resurrection. And then as, as we go through life and we may continue to make mistakes and have this ongoing conversation, you know what? God fights fair <laughs> because he said he forgave us and he does. So, so when we go through life, even after 
accepting salvation and we continue to make mistakes, he doesn't hold those old things against us anymore. He doesn't bring them up. He doesn't have a bank of all of our past mistakes, which he brings out when things go wrong. And he says, oh yeah, I know you messed up here. Remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? What garbage you are. He doesn't say that to us. All of that is forgiven. All of that is past. And we can deal with the issue that's at hand. And God wins with grace. He loves us. He gives himself up for us. And he wants us to do the same for others. Particularly the person he has spiritually united us with for the rest of our life. I feel like half of marriage is just getting our head and our heart to line up with the spiritual reality and beginning to think like that and feel like that, knowing that it is like that. Some of you I know are in difficult situations where you're thinking, well, I can get my head right about my spouse, but their head isn't going to be right about me. And I can address the issue, but they're not going to. And I can fight fair, but they won't. And I can try to win with grace, but they don't care. You're thinking, what do, what do I do when it's completely one-sided? Wasn't it completely one-sided with God? Didn't He do all of this for us before we ever did a thing? Doesn't He do all of that for us whether we ever respond to it or not? Yeah. And so our call is to therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So I'm going to learn to get my mind right about my spouse, whether they do for me or not. And I'm going to deal with the issues, whether they will or not. And I'm going to fight fair, whether they will or not. Even when they push the button, I'm going to continue to be diplomatic. And my goal is to win with grace, even if my spouse doesn't care. God sets the example. You want to know how to win a fight? <laughs> you win it with grace. And when you both focus on that, you both win. Let's pray. God, we love you and um, thank you for your love that sets an example for us. In your power and your greatness, you created all that we see and all that we don't see. And not even possible for us to fathom that, but we try. We know that, that you are pure and you are completely holy. I mean, set apart, just without any fault whatsoever. Yet here we sit, full of sin. And we know that, that we are at odds with you by our very nature and also by our decisions, and we're separated from you. And we go through life looking for the people that are going to fill that when only you can. We experience frustration when we're disconnected from a relationship with you we're supposed to have. But we thank you. We thank you that you looked at us in our sin, with our mistakes, with our rebellion, everything, the way that we've tried to control our life instead of letting you control our life. You see that, and you see right through it to our very heart and our potential. You see through it with compassion and with grace and with mercy, and you want to forgive us. You, you want to be in a relationship. So much so that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to sacrifice himself for us. To pay the penalty for our sins so we wouldn't have to. 
Thank you, God, for the confidence of knowing in power and glory you raised him on the third day, that he returned to be with you, and that you send, when we respond to you in faith, you send to us the Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of us and helps us to become the person that you want us to be. Thank you so much for that. I pray that there would be someone here today that would decide to accept you as their Savior for the first time, to step back into a relationship with you, God, today. I pray that you move in their heart to make that decision. If that's you today and you want to accept Christ as your Savior, you just have to admit that you've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Just pray that and say that to Him out loud or in your heart. Just tell God, I've made, I, I know I've sinned. I know that disconnects me from you. And just express your belief in Jesus Christ, that you believe he died on the cross and he rose again. Tell him that. Say, God, I believe that. And I believe that he did that for me. And ask God to forgive you of your sins today. And he will. You can have a relationship with your heavenly father you were created to have by faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to set you on this journey of becoming the person he wants you to be, to learn how to live, not for me, but to live for him and for other people. When it comes to the marriages in the room, God, this is, it's really tough because um, you know us, you know how limited you are, we are, you know how, you know how selfish we are, you know how uh, small-minded we are, and so we get very buried in the moment, and we get frustrated, we get our feelings hurt, we get angry, we feel offended, or we feel attacked, and so we fight, and um, God, I pray that you would teach us to be imitators of you, and to respond to each other the way that you've responded to us. Uh, I pray, God, that if there are any marriages in the room that are really struggling right now, that you would help them, I guess in this moment, to, to take a step back. Really ask the question, what are we doing? And, and are we making progress? And how can we take what we've learned today? How can we get some counseling? How can we get some people around us that will help so that we can actually be productive instead of destructive? And I pray through the power of the Spirit, you give us the wisdom, the patience, the presence of mind to be able to do that and to argue well. Because it's through conflict that the strongest relationships are formed. And it's through conflict that our relationship with you is formed. And it's the greatest gift we could be given. We thank you for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.